0: Today is the third day of our spring, Seven Day Sashim, 30th of August, 2016. And we left off uh, talking about uh, frugality, f- being frugal in our ways. And I was saying how we live in, in a society which uh, makes it hard. To look completely frugally because of its um, built-in waste and and um, uh, (coughs) consumption, sort of built on these things. There's there's a. a little story in in the Pali Canon, an example of what um, frugality might look like it's It's to do with frugality within the the order of monks and nuns there was a, There was a queen who um, wanted to give a donation to Ananda of uh, five hundred uh, robes for yes. the monks. And her husband was suspicious of this. And so he decided to come and um, kind of grill Ananda about this and find out what was going to happen with all these robes. So he asked Ananda what was going to happen to them. And Ananda replied, the, the robes of many of the brothers are in rags. I'm going to distribute the robes to them. And then the king asked, Well, what will you do with the old robes? And Ananda said, We will make bed covers with them. And what will you do with the old bed covers? We'll make pillowcases. And what will you do with the old pillowcases? We'll make floor covers out of them. And what will you do with the old floor covers? We will use them for wiping cloths. And what will you do with the old wiping cloths? We'll use them for floor mops. And what will you do with the old floor mops? Your Highness, we will tear them into pieces and mix them with mud and use the mud to plaster the house walls. So it's a beautiful example of a a system in which Uh, everything can be uh, cherished and appreciated because everything has its place. It has a way of contributing to the whole. Another example, a more recent one, um, people, quite a few of you have heard this um, little story before. It's from a book called From Novice to Master. It's about um, uh, Shilko Morinaga. And when he was um, just very young and um, came to a, a small Zen temple, and his roshi got him, cleaning up the garden and when he had raked everything up when the young Morinaga had raked everything up he asked his the master uh, his Roshi where do I put the trash and the Roshi replied in things and in people there's no such thing as trash and then he showed Morinaga what to do with what he'd gathered up his ra- with his rake. The leaves were put in sacks to be used to fuel the uh, bath, Japanese-style bath. The, all the little stones were returned to their places under the eaves where they collected the rainwater was collected in these uh, uh, stone-covered drains that are common in traditional Japanese houses. And then finally there were bits of moss and these were gathered up and then pressed into bare patches on the, uh, the lawn. And after that there wasn't anything left. Everything had, had been returned to its proper place. This is really the spirit of, of frugality as we find here in this metasuta. It's, it's, in its biggest sense, it's not seeing anyone or anything as expendable, trash. So it's a very tragic thing that that... Here in New Zealand, um, though we may not be as, as bad as some places, there seems to be a going, going the direction of um, seeing or, if or, you or say, accepting that, that um, a level of, of um, people, a number of people in our community who don't have a place not just these days people who don't have, have uh, jobs, worthwhile jobs but now many who are without somewhere to live And what is 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 more, even more tragic is that people who are trashed by their by, the, by society then internalise that sense and they become hopeless. They feel that that they may this isn't, doesn't go for everybody, but they may feel like trash as well. Because frugality can also be a kind of att- attachment; it can can turn into its near enemy, of miserliness. And so we have to watch out for that and um, see it in the in the context of all the other um, parameters. Generosity being the first of these. This is a an antidote for our getting tight around frugality. If you look at the, look at the Pali in this in the sutta for, that's used for uh, frugality, it literally says um, to have light turnings. And you can see genera- generosity as being a way of, of lightening up through giving away, not having a lot of baggage. moving on to the next line <clears throat> peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud not proud and demanding in nature peaceful and calm and wise and skillful in the original um, this uh, peaceful and calm is is a compound word made up of of santi plus indriya, and what it really means is is peaceful sense faculties. So it's quite specific. It's saying um, we need our senses need to be at ease, not agitated. Not not um, longing for stimulation of some kind. So in a sense we can relate it back to the frugality. If our, if our senses are at ease, if we're not craving stimulation and stuff and experiences, then... To live more lightly. And the six senses here. In other words, the five ordinary senses and the mind or uh, discriminating consciousness is the sixth. So to, be, to be contained, we could say. In, um, in Zen, we sometimes talk about guarding the sense doors. It's the same, really. Not guarding them against disturbance, against agitation. Being settled. Not easily upset. For for many many panic is quite near the surface, um, and will will emerge if things go even slightly wrong. People have probably seen this when you when you travel, and um, very often the the. Things don't go as expected with connections if you're flying. And um, people can get just so quickly get, get um, so upset that things aren't unfolding as they expected them to. In Sishin we get to see all our wild emotions flaring up. And we can't go, go up to the counter and, and shake our fist at the, at the uh, attendant, at the counter. We just have to face these things ourselves. This is very, very useful... We'll find that when we do get into into some kind of adverse circumstances, that we have we have more resources to draw on. We we won't be so easily um, thrown. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful. Again, this um, wise and skillful in the original is just is just one word, nipako, which is related to the word for a chief. In other words, a leader. And it implies um Both intelligence and um, practical wisdom prudence <coughs> the, the the ability to to put one's knowledge into practice. It takes us back to the beginning of the Sudha which talked about being skilled in goodness just being skilled having skills that we can offer in other words w- ways in which we can express loving and kindness and care for others w- ways in which we can be of service Jack Cornfield writes, We all have, without exception, a very deep longing to give. To give to the earth, to give to others, to give to the society, to work, to love, to care for this earth. That's true for every human being. And even the ones who don't find it, it's because it has been squashed or somehow suppressed in some brutal way in their life but it's there to be discovered, we all long for that and there's a tremendous sorrow for a human being who doesn't find a way to give one of the worst of human sufferings is not to find a way to love or a place to work and give of your heart and your being one of the questions we can ask ourselves is, is is what have i got to offer every single human being has something to offer even when we're in distress when we're we're needing help that can be a gift in that it provides an opportunity for others to help There's a wonderful book um, by Ram Das called How Can I Help? And there's a passage which um, talks about this, this um, two way thing of helping and being helped. He says caring for one another. We sometimes glimpse an essential quality of our being. We may be sitting alone, lost in self-doubt or self-pity, when the phone rings with a call from a friend who's really depressed. Instinctively, we come out of ourselves just to be there with her and say a few reassuring words. When we're done and a little comfort's been shared, we put down the phone and feel a little more at home with ourselves. We're reminded of who we really are and what we have to offer one another. Next line, not proud and demanding in nature <coughs> it's interesting that not proud comes up again. We already had it earlier on, humble and not conceited um, often if if something is repeated, it's because it's important perhaps it's it's that uh, pride and, and arrogance are a particular bar- barrier to loving-kindness. Actually, if you look at the Pali, it's two different, it's it's two different, uh, slightly different flavors for these two um, two Mentions of pride. The first one um, we had earlier on that gets translated as um, humble and not conceited. The word is anatimana. Atimana means very arrogant, and then the the negative um, prefix is put on an, so so not very arrogant. Arrogant this is the first one. The second one is Pagaba, which means more something like recklessness or boldness, or being forward. So we could translate this one as impudent, or so not impudent or pushy, not selfish in the sense of of disregarding others and being insensitive to what's going on around one. Maybe. Translates it possibly this not proud as being unassuming or mild. The second part, not demanding in nature, um, is uh, quite a lot to it. The uh, the Pali is kulesu anangugiddo. Kuleso ananugido. Kuleso means um, among families. And it was used for when monks went out on their alms rounds begging for food. So (coughs) so this is being addressed to, again, to the monks that the Buddha is, is teaching. So when you're out on your alms rounds begging for food, um, don't be demanding And again, this word, an- ananu geddo, is made up of two parts The first part, uh, not to go along, ananu And then the second part, greedily, geddo This word, geddo, is, is related to the word for Vulture I'll just read a little bit from uh, a commentator on this line. He says, um, When monks and nuns in ancient India wandered for food each morning, they were said to be among families, kulusu. Their behaviour in such a setting was of particular importance, since the reputation of the community in the eyes of the lay supporters was at stake. In this final phrase of the stanza, mendicants are admonished not to, to not, an, go along, anu, greedily, gidda. This word for greed is particularly interesting because it is built on the word for vulture. We might even go so far as to suggest the monks are being admonished to not act like vultures when going from house to house for alms. The vulture is a scavenger, standing or circling around hungrily, Eyeing the best morsels, looking for his best chances, and brazenly shoving shoving aside those in his way when he strikes out for the food. So, if we if we apply this to ourselves, this um, phrase "not demanding in nature" is really um, it's talking about. Uh, our, our greediness, our, our self-partiality, our, our looking out, sort of anxiously looking out for what what we can get, for you know, to meet our 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 what we think of as our our needs. So just take an example. At the dining table in Sushin, to be so intent on on serving ourselves that um, we're not aware of people around us needing things to be passed to them. Or it could be just that thing of if you, if there's a certain dish of stuff being, being aware of how many other people there are down the table who haven't had that food yet. And so not just completely loading up your plate so there's not enough for other people. So we say watching out for our vulture nature here. We can relate this again. These lines are so interconnected. We can relate this this um, uh, vivid image of the vulture back to the line about about peaceful sense faculties and and, uh, and this word also for, for chief, in other words to be a master of ourselves and rather than being being mastered by our cravings. and again, we're talking here about all six senses, so that it includes um, not only um, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, but also our thinking. And often it's our, uh, it can be a lot of attachment and, and, and agitation around our, uh, our opinions. An example of this in, in terms of our vulture image would be um, being so intent on thinking about what you're going to say that you don't listen to what the other person is saying. You're really wanting to leap in and express your opinion. And sort of relishing one's own um, well thought out arguments. And what one has to say on a particular subject rather than um, being open, receiving taking rather than receiving and of course this is the whole spirit of um, the monks and nuns going on their begging rounds They go, at best, with a sense of openness and trust. A trust in the kindness of others. In the the bounty of the universe, we could say. Thomas Merton said this about um, the Buddha's begging bowl The begging bowl of the Buddha represents not just a right to beg but openness to the gifts of all human beings as an expression of this interdependence of all beings Thus when a monk begs from the layman it is not as a selfish person getting something from someone else He is simply opening himself to his interdependence. You can understand loving kindness as being um, a, a deep recognition of our interdependence. Two lines. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. And again, we can replace this them with us. Let us not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. This is a kind of catch-all that sums up all that's gone before in this section of the the Sutta. It's sort of saying, the Buddha seems to be saying, well, all of that that I just mentioned, and then anything, however trifling, that later on wise ones might condemn or criticise. So, cast the net very wide. Wise ones here is the word used as vinnu, which means an elder in the Dharma. Could be um, a monk or a nun, uh, or it could be a lay woman or a lay man. Seems to be also implying here that to take heed of collective wisdom, not just our own uh, assessment, but also what wise ones, over uh, you know, at this time, and also perhaps from the past, consider to be uh, proper, appropriate. So this this marks this um, this catch all or marks the the end of this, the 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 shila section <laughs> of the sutra. And really, as, as again, what we can understand here why it starts with this is because um, there has to be sort of uh, at least a degree of of loving kindness functioning in our lives for us to successfully undertake the, the meditation, which the instructions for which you're about to follow. So the first part really looks at could say applied loving kindness what loving kindness actually looks like in our day-to-day lives in our in our relationships our family our work what is it to live in love What is it to live in service, to put others first, to the point of, of self-forgetfulness? <laughs> a story about about living in service to others once upon a time there was a blacksmith who worked hard at his trade. The day came for him to die the angel was sent to him and much to the angel's surprise he refused to go he pleaded with the angel to make his case before God, that he was the only blacksmith in the area and it was time for all his neighbours to begin their planting and sowing. He was needed. So the angel pleaded his case before God. He said that the man didn't want to appear ungrateful but that he was gl- and he was glad to have a place in the kingdom, but could he put off going for a while? And he was left. About a year or two later, the angel came back with the same message. The Lord was ready to share the fullness of the kingdom with him. Again, the man had reservations and said, A neighbor of mine is seriously ill, and it's time for the harvest. A number of us are trying to save his crops so that his family won't become destitute. Please come back later. And off the angel went again. Well, it got to be a pattern. Every time the angel came back, the blacksmith had one excuse or another. The blacksmith would just shake his head and tell the angel, where he was needed, and decline. Finally, the blacksmith grew very old, weary and tired. He decided it was time and so he prayed, God, if you'd like to send your angel again, I'd be glad to come home now. Immediately, the angel appeared as if from around the corner of the bed. The blacksmith said, If you still want to take me home, I'm ready to live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And the angel laughed and looked at the blacksmith in delight and surprise and said, where do you think you've been all these years? To recognize that that. To to live in love and kindness is um, to be home. This very body, the body of Buddha. It's to be living in the pure land. What in Christianity is called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Heaven is not somewhere we go, but something we are. If we allow ourselves to open. To open our hearts, to open our hands. One of the most inspiring expressions of this In Mahayana It comes from Shantideva The way of the Bodhisattva He says May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, A guide for those who journey on the road For those who wish to go across the water May I be a boat, a raft, a bridge May I be an isle for those who yearn for landfall and a lamp for those who long for light. For those who need a resting place, a bed. For all who need a servant, may I be a slave. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of plenty, a word of power and a supreme remedy. May I be the trees of miracles and for every being the abundant cow. Like the great earth and other elements, enduring as the sky itself endures, for the boundless multitude of living beings, may I be the ground and vessel of their life. Thus, for every single thing that lives, in number like the boundless reaches of the sky, may I be their sustenance and nourishment until they pass beyond the bounds of suffering. teachers, buddhas, bodhisattvas, listen. Just as you, who in the past have gone to bliss, conceived the awakened attitude of mind, likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will generate this self-same attitude. Buddhist shakramani once said, develop a mind so filled with love, it resembles space, which cannot be painted, marred or ruined. The space isn't somewhere else. It's the space that we're in right now, in this very moment. completely lost track of time. Now mm-hmm. it's forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think we'll just stop here and recite the four vows.